Hello, everybody. My name is Anthony DeYuri. I'm a partner in Bills and Sunberg's Land Development and Government Relations Practice Group. And thank you for joining us for another episode. Today, I'm joined by Melissa Rose. She's an incredible capital markets expert and managing director at JLL's Miami office. Herself, a uh, New York transplant and exhibit A for the uh, Miami movement that's going on now. Thank you for having me, Anthony. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about yourself beyond the fact that you're fantastic at finding debt and equity uh, for projects. Uh, well, I've been in Miami now for about seven years, gratefully, so I was ahead of the whole wave, um, and I've been doing debt and equity placement between New York and Miami since then, um, and I love the beach and the ocean and love living in Miami. Fantastic. Melissa, everybody knows South Florida is ground zero for the hottest real estate market in the United States right now. What does the mix of capital look like right now? Is it different than it used to be? Give us your insight on that. So the exciting part about being in a market that's just growing so quickly and has so much excitement is that we were seeing capital come from all over the world. So, I mean, there's certainly been a huge influx of capital from the Northeast and domestic capital that's transacting here. But we've also seen, you know, new limited partners and groups that are foreign coming into our market mm -hmm. as well. Um, so it's a pretty large mix. Um, I'd say as a, as a specific group that family offices have probably taken a, a large focus in the Miami market. Um, and we've seen a lot of family office, private capital flood to Miami. You mentioned domestic versus international capital. Traditionally, Miami has relied on the ebbs and flows of international investment. Can you speak a little more on that, the domestic component versus the international one? We have seen um, a, a bunch of European family offices transacting here. Um, and we've also seen some Asian capital come to this market. Um, and, of course, there's the influx of, of domestic capital that's come here as well. So I think there was a time where there was a lot of money from Latin America that was really bolstering our market. But it's a much more diversified pool of capital today. How would you compare the strength of the capital today? How well healed are they today? versus the capital when you first came down uh, from New York here in Miami? Well, I think that there's a, there's a ton of liquidity in the market today. There's obviously been some volatility in the overall market and a, a huge change in the cost of borrowing that's happened of late. Um, but I think that well-capitalized institutional investors, um, family offices, and, and capital from all over the globe has looks at Miami as a major growth destination um, that's attractive to, to place and pursue acquisitions. Here we are on the other side of COVID, and things are very different than they used to be. In particular, interest rates are rising. How is the market responding to that? I think one of the things that's great about being here in a time where there's volatility in the market is that, you know, we're still seeing a tremendous amount of growth. And, you know, between the population growth that we're experiencing, which is bolstered, um, you know, very low vacancies in industrial properties and, and rent growth, and we've seen that in the multifamily sector as well. Um, so there's some insulation, I think, in that investors are still viewing this market as immature and having an opportunity to have growing, rising rates on rents follow up on that question. How is demand for certain types of financing? What is that capital stack looking like right now? I think that as we see the cost of borrowing increase, that lenders are you know, changing their underwriting criteria and leverage for senior financing is dropping. Mm -hmm. um, so one thing that I think we're going to see a greater necessity for going forward is probably subordinate capital in the capital stack where a borrower is seeking you know, senior financing, but will also need to sort of utilize either preferred equity or mezzanine financing to fulfill an acquisition or, or refinance their property. So you're seeing some erosion in the uh, capital markets. 
the cost of borrowing is higher now. So, so that obviously has impacted the way people are underwriting exit metrics on financing. Um, so leverage has dropped slightly, but we're, there's still a ton of liquidity in the market. And we certainly see that, that capital sources are still eagerly trying to put, get dollars out of the door. Pretty much all asset classes have uh, benefited from the post-COVID environment Miami finds itself in. But which one in particular are you most bullish on? Well, I'm slightly biased since I spend a lot of my time on it, but I, I certainly feel best about the industrial sector. Um, if you know, Miami still has an incredibly low vacancy rate, I think some of the geographic barriers to development here, just between the Everglades and the ocean, and that massive amount of population growth have, have really increased the amount of demand for space. Um, we certainly haven't seen any delay or you know uh, any tenant tenant demand has not slowed down. There's still a tremendous amount of interest on the tenant side that I think can support the construction that's in the pipeline. And I think that the, you know, growth in rents is is supportable based on these businesses, you know, only having a small portion of their P&L going towards rent, whereas a, a multifamily tenant has a, a large part of their income going towards their, their rent for where they live. Uh, and continuing with that theme, um, do you see opportunities geographically in terms of redevelopment, are there existing areas that have older industrial stock, for example, or new areas that never had industrial stock that um, some of your clients are exploring? So, you know, I think Hylia as a market has, you know, a lot of historical stock and, and very high occupancy and very high demand. We're seeing the highest rents in new product. We don't have as much new product in the overall square footage of the market. Um, and I think that's changing with some of the new development. But I think some of the older product in our market will always remain occupied and has great, you know, sticky tenancy. And there's a demand for the smaller mom and pop tenant, which is most of our market. So to that point, which in which particular uh, portion of the industrial, do you see the strongest rents? That, well, I think the airport really supports the strongest rents. So proximity to, to our airport is, is probably the factor that supports the, the largest rents in our market. I mean, we obviously have a strong port as well, um, but the, the airport, surrounding area of the airport is where we see the highest rents. Tell us about cold storage. I know it's something that is uh, near and dear to your heart. I love freezers. It's a very small portion percentage-wise of the entire industrial market. It's incredibly interesting the way our consumer behavior has really changed you know, the industrial demand. And so with cold storage specifically, most of the stock of you know, our entire market um, across the country is, is older vintage products. So it, it's very hard to build cold storage. It's expensive. It does command higher rent, but it's complicated to build and needs skilled operators. So it's an interesting asset class where there's just a, a large percentage of the existing square footage is 80s vintage, for example. And we're now starting to see some, some newer product come to market that's, you know, 60 foot clear and has automated racking systems and is, is really designing to appeal to a, a more modern tenant. In terms of industrial, um, how has inflation uh, or inflationary pressures impacted that market? I think the inflationary environment has obviously impacted the overall economy and all of real estate. But I think the one 
one note that we've sort of taken is, you know, industrial leases oftentimes can be 10-year terms with minimal escalations. So we are finding that investors are more interested in development opportunities or opportunities where there's shorter walt so that they can benefit from the appreciation of rents rather than being stuck in a lease where there's minimal escalations annually, like 2 or 3%. And I think new leases are being negotiated with shorter terms and higher escalations to try and fight some of that. As a New York transplant yourself, what do you really believe, and, and, and if you can pinpoint some of the factors that are most attributable for your success to come down to this market, as many people are considering coming down here from places such as New York? Uh, I think when you're moving into any market, the most important thing is to find the right diverse team for you to be a part of. So you can sort of play what your talents are off of a bigger group. Um, and I think I embraced that there were things about this market I didn't know and that I had a lot to learn. And I came in with a humility, but also kind of brought my New York edge and hustle. Um, I think whenever you find the right groups of people to work with, that's when all the magic happens. Fantastic. And to our audience, thank you very much for tuning in again watching another episode. Of course, this episode and all our episodes are available at our website, bills.com. And have a great day from uh, sunny Miami, as you can tell. <laughs>